What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Full Draw Friday. This one is episode number 15. Today, I'm going to get into an article by Dr. James Kroll from North American Whitetail. It's the December-January edition, and it's called Managing for Mast, All About Acorns. And I want to talk about how you can manage your oaks throughout, and it's going to be really focused on that and why they're important, what you can do to get the most production out of your stand of oak trees. And then at the end, I will talk about why you cannot just rely on acorns when it comes to managing whitetails. And a lot of people are really in love with oaks, which for good reason, we'll see some of that, but almost to the point of their own detriment when it comes to wildlife management. So I'll talk about that at the end. First, we're going to get into the article. So we'll do that and then we'll get into the weekend. So here we go. Okay, so the first thing I want to do is go through everything I have highlighted throughout this article. I'm going to skip around a bunch and miss and go over some things, skip over some things. So we always recommend, if you guys want to, to check out the December-January edition of North American Whitetail and read this full article. There's a lot of good stuff in there that I'm not going to cover just for time and relevance to what I'm going to talk about. So we'll jump right into it. He starts with by saying there are two questions professional deer biologists hate to hear. Number one is how many deer are there on this property? And number two, what kind of acorn crop will we have this year? Now, number one, I'm not going to get into, and he doesn't really either, but we're focusing on the acorns. So when he's talking about what kind of acorn crop we'll have this year, getting that question, he says, even if you conduct exhaustive acorn production surveys in a specific geographic area, whatever you find out will be challenged by the guy who has one highly productive tree on his property. So think back to a time when you haven't had that many acorns and you're talking to your buddies and he's got maybe one tree that produced really well, so he's telling you how great the acorn crop was that year. That's kind of what he's talking about there. So he goes on, when asked about the acorn crop, I've learned to answer, it'll be spotty. Still, however, acorns remain a highly important food item for deer at least 180 days out of the year. Skipping ahead a little bit here, he says, oaks in the U.S. are broken down into two groups, white oaks and black oaks, which include the red oaks. The greatest difference in these two groups lies in their reproductive behavior. White oaks flower and mature fruit in only one year, while red oaks take about 18 months, flowering in one year and maturing fruit the next. This means that an event such as a late freeze or drought in one year will immediately affect white oak acorn production and a delayed effect the second year for red oaks. So if you have some drought or late freeze like that, you're going to see that immediately from the white oaks that year, same year as that event. You may not see the effect on the red oaks until 18 months to, to two years later. Why are acorns so important is the next section here. He says, our research at the Institute for Whitetail Deer Management and Research and other scientists clearly show that digestible energy is the most important factor in whitetail nutrition. Acorns and other nuts represent a significant source of digestible energy, particularly to support fat storage prior to harsh winter conditions. We actually did a full episode on an article by Dr. Kroll about digestible energy. You can go back and search that one I think it was early on. I don't remember the number of the episode. I should have wrote that down, but we did a whole episode talking about that. But obviously, acorns are a big part of that. That's why they're so important to a deer's diet. 
Uh, that's why the deer find them, seek them out, and eat them so much. It's not because necessarily they just love the taste of them, but it's because they're so important for their nutrition. He goes on factors affecting acorn production. So these are some things that are going to affect and how many acorns you produce every year. And the biggest one is the fact that oaks have to be fairly old before they reach maximum acorn production. In most species, acorn production does not begin until trees are 20 to 30 years of age. So the old saying, you know, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, the next best time is today, that kind of speaks to that. If you're planning on planting acorns, just know, or planting yeah, planting acorns for oak trees, just know that it's going to be a while before they even start production, especially if you're planting just uh, naturally found red oaks or white oaks. He does say later that Wild Tree Nursery offers a line of live oaks that are producing acorns as early as three years. Exotic species such as sawtooth oaks generally begin production in four to five years. So there are some options there. Obviously, that's going to be more expensive than just going out and collecting your own acorns from your property or getting some acorns from somebody uh, just of a regular red or white oak. But that is an option to get production early. Uh, he does talk about how early production and stable production is going to be huge when it comes to having that reliable year over year. So the earlier you can get your acorn, your oak trees producing acorns, the better off you're going to be. So that's definitely an option to look at. But again, if you're going with the natural route or just collecting acorns and planting them, it's going to be 20 to 30 years, more than likely. You can cut that down a little bit, but that's what you're looking at in the wild. It's going to take them that long. Think about however old you are now, and then think about how old you're going to be 30 years from now, and and then I kind of give you an idea of just how long it's going to take. So he goes on in the next section, managing for maximum acorn production. So this is some stuff you can do to help manage your oak stand for the most production. He says if each species of oak has a specific timing of first production, and if there are genetic differences between individual trees in the stand, does it not seem obvious that you can improve oak stands by selectively adding and removing trees? There's a type of forest management called wildlife stand improvement in which a stand is thinned or harvested to maximize species composition and vigor. The sad truth is that most of the hardwood forests we visit have extremely high densities of trees with very small crowns produced by the competition. So what he's talking about at the beginning of that is every tree is different, so they're all going to have their own specific timing as far as when they start producing. One of them might start at 15 years. One of them might start at 20 years. If you go into the, some of the trees he was talking about before from that nursery, Maybe some of them produce at two years. Maybe some produce at five years. So you can go in and improve your stand and get them producing as early as possible by thinning out some of those or getting rid of some of those trees that you don't want. And the second part of that, he says, is talking about a lot of the hardwood forests they visit have extremely high densities of trees with very small crowns produced by the competition. We see that a lot, too, when we go on property consultations. What I try to explain to guys who are pretty hesitant about cutting oaks down or killing oaks because that seems to be pretty common when it comes to white-tailed deer hunters and, and property managers for that specifically. If you take 10 oak trees and you put them in a small area and then you think about how they have to grow to get sunlight, they're pretty much going to go straight up. So at the top of the tree, you're going to have this small crown that's going to produce acorns because that's where the sunlight's at, and that's where the leaves are at, and that's where the branches are. And you'll notice all the branches below that are dead because they've been shaded out. So now if you take out half of those trees, so you, let's say you have five of them, or even more than half, you can take out six, so you've got four or five trees left. 
Now think about how much more room they have to grow and spread out, how many branches they're going to have closer to the ground. All the way up, it's going to create kind of this ball of a tree instead of just a stick of a tree. And if you can imagine what that looks like, if you have these four or five big spread out trees versus 10 that are very narrow and only growing acorns at the top, your production is actually going to go up because you have more mass per tree than you would have even spread out across those tents. Hopefully that makes sense. It's a lot better with some visuals on that, but that's how I try to explain it. And that's what he's talking about there. He says, goes on, he says, young stands often has as many, have as many as six to 800 seedlings per acre. Sometimes this results in a good stand spacing and composition, but in most cases, this never happens. The reason for that is the idea when you have that many seedlings is majority of, a majority of them are going to die. They're going to compete for the sunlight and water and nutrients and all that. Some of them are going to die. Some of them are going to make it, and then you're going to end up with a good stand with good spacing and composition. But again, there's a lot of luck that goes into that. There's a lot of cooperation from Mother Nature, which we all know rarely happens. So that's not really a good way to do it. Just throw and hope. Uh, he goes on. He says, the way they do it is they use non-soil active herbicides, either by injection or by basal spraying, to kill the trees we don't want and leave the ones we do want. We develop a species list for the existing trees and then kill trees to adjust species composition. An old adage of ecology is that diversity breeds stability. A stand almost entirely of red oaks, will have sporadic acorn crops due to the lag time between flowering and fruiting. <clears throat> One made up of several species and subspecies of both red oaks and white oaks will be infinitely more stable and predictable for acorn production. That goes with about anything, whether they're talking about food plots or any kind of deer habitat, timber, even CRP fields and all that. Diversity is 99 times out of 100 going to be better than just a monoculture of something or at least a majority of one species in an area. So diversity is huge, even when it comes to your acorn production. He says, they still have to reduce competition, even when the species diversity is acceptable, though. We generally like to set target per acre density of no more than 30 trees by the time of peak acorn production. So by the time those trees are ready to produce the most acorns they're ever going to produce, they want 30 trees per acre. So think about that and think about what your timber looks like right now. And you might have to come up with a plan for adjusting that. He says, whatever the methodology, you can manage your way to a more productive property in regards to acorn production. It takes time, but with hard work, you will be surprised how quickly you can see a difference. So just like anything else, it's not going to be something you do in that year. You see a huge difference, but over time, with the right efforts, you're going to notice a difference in acorn production. It's going to become somewhat more reliable, somewhat more predictable, and you're going to have more on the good years and the bad years. <clears throat> the good years are going to be better. The bad years are going to be slightly less bad. So that kind of wraps up the article. But I wanted to go back to one thing he listed in here earlier, and this is why I talk about how you, you can't manage deer a deer herd based on acorns. You cannot be a deer manager if you're only focusing on oaks. He says, if we look at the amount of acorns and probability of producing them each year, there is little predictability. So even when you do all this stuff, you can make it more predictable, but it's still going to be very unpredictable when it comes down to it. Because again, you have very little control over what kind of nutrients those trees are getting, the sunlight they're going to get, the water they're going to get. 
it's not like a food plot where if you have a little trash pump, you can water it as much as you need to. You're not going to be able to get that tree enough water, that big mature oak, to produce the amount of acorns that you're looking for if it's not there naturally. So they are a lot less predictable than than food plots, than even some natural browse that's going to be there every year. So I, I say that because even though you can do all this stuff, and you should be doing all this stuff, because acorns and oaks are such an important part of a whitetail's diet, and the more often you can have them, the better off you're going to be. I say all that because, again, you cannot manage a deer herd solely based off oaks. So if you gave me the options, and for whatever reason, these were my only two options. I could have a stand of 10 oak trees spread out well that produced fairly regular, so we'll say like one good crop in every three years, which seems to be pretty normal. Maybe it's one every other year, but it tends to be one really good crop every three years. Or an acre food plot or an acre and a half food plot in that same area. Those are my only two options. I either have to leave the oaks or I have to take them out and put in the food plot. I'm going to do the food plot every time. The reason for that is I have a lot more control over it. I know what I can put there. I can adjust it for what the deer need. I can water it if it needs to be. I can fertilize it properly. And I can have a pretty good... Now, there's going to be some drought years. Like this past year, we had some food plots that didn't make it. But there was other natural browse as well. And on the same years that those food plots didn't make it, the acorns are not really making it either. And you're going to have less mass, less tonnage from the whatever acorns make it than you're going to have in whatever your food plot does. And in the same sentence, or the same thought, if your food plot does fail, you can still go in and plant winter wheat all the way into November, December, depending on what your weather's like, and still at least have something for them this time of year, February, March, even into January. Whereas if your oaks don't make it, you got to wait a whole other year until you can do anything with it. So don't get hung up on oak trees. They are not the end-all, beat-all. They are great four deer and they're great places to hunt especially like on public ground if you can find an oak flat to sit in that's going to be one of your best bets it's it's the closest thing to a food plot you're probably going to find but a lot of guys and this is why i talk about this that we'll we'll go to on consultations they just are completely against cutting down any oak tree whether it's going to have benefit to them or not i don't know what that comes from it's just i guess what has been so talked about from from tv shows and any kind of media and maybe magazines in the past about how great oaks are and they are, but it's almost like guys are, are afraid to get rid of them even when they need to. So don't be afraid to cut down a, an oak tree because you're worried about not having any deer back because they like the acorn so much, uh, if it's going to be beneficial to you and whether that be cutting down one oak tree to make two better or whether that be cutting down a couple oak trees to open up some sunlight and some canopy to put in a good food plot in a good location for it. So that is all all stuff to keep in mind. And, of course, there's give and take to that. There's a lot of good about acorns. There's a, a lot of good about uh, food plots. And I think they can be overvalued is probably the, the best way to put it. They, I think in a lot of deer managers the guys who want to be deer managers, property managers uh, that are deer hunters. In their mind, acorns are really overvalued. Oaks are really overvalued. So that that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today as far as that goes. 
I wanted to give you guys a good background on, or at least a good idea of how good they are, what you can do to produce them more reliably based off what Dr. Kroll was talking about. But again, in the same thought, in the same breath, tell you how much better you can manage your deer herd with some other other strategies. So don't forget that either. So that's going to pretty much do it for this week. As you guys know, if you've been listening to the last few Full Draw Fridays, we do have a partner on here now. He's also a partner on our regular episodes, and that's Rodney Hawkins. If you're looking for your own piece of ground to manage and hunt and do all this stuff on, maybe you want to practice some of this stuff with uh, producing more acorns, see what you can do, or thinning out timber stand and doing timber stand improvement, that kind of stuff, Rodney's the guy to talk to. He grew up in hunting, hunting and fishing in southern Illinois, and he's now putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. If you guys haven't heard of them, they're not your average real estate company. Last year, they sold over $85 million worth of ground. So they really focus on recreational properties. They do do some residential and stuff like that as well, but their main focus is recreation. With agents like Rodney all over Illinois, they're really a local company with a national reach. For more information on them or any properties that may be available or just any questions you might have for Rodney, you can contact him at 618-925-3153. He'll get you taken care of. He's also recently started a new company called RG Outdoors. They currently carry hard and soft shell blinds and blind chairs from Radix Blinds in addition to an all-natural scent elimination product called Camo Dust, which you can get more information at on at camodust.com. Again, don't really have any experience with that, but you can talk to Rodney about it or go to that website and get more info on it there. As for the blinds, Nate actually spent a lot of time in one of the soft-sided Radix blinds this season and was more than happy with how it worked out for him. If you're interested in anything they have to offer, you can send them a message through their Facebook page, RG Outdoors. Email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com or again, you can call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153. So don't forget about him if you need any of that stuff, whether it be property or those blinds or any products they might have available. If you guys want to support this podcast, check out RidgeHunterOutdoors.com. Anything you find on there you want, use the discount code FULLDRAW. That's all caps, no spaces. and You get 10% off of anything that you put in your cart and you want to buy. Also, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We're still doing our giveaway there, so when we hit 25 reviews, we'll give away a Wild Game Innovations trail camera package. It doesn't take two minutes out of your time to go to do Apple Podcasts, scroll down, and, and leave us a review, and you'll be entered for that. You can also follow us on Spotify if that's where you listen to it so you get notifications when everything comes out. Same way with YouTube. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, like and comment on anything there. That's going to help us out as well. That's all I got for this week, guys. One other thing I about forgot. We're going to be at the Iowa Deer Classic. If you guys missed uh, what would have been Monday's episode, it actually came out on Wednesday this week. I talked about it. We're for sure going to Iowa now. We're going to be on the upper level by the antler displays and the seminar. So if you're going up there to check those out, which I would highly recommend, that was one of the coolest thing there was that the antler displays. And I know they're going to have some great seminars this year with some uh, really good people. So if you're going up to check them out, make sure you stop by and say hi. We'd love to see you there. We're potentially going to do some giveaways and stuff. I know we'll have a little bit of merch. And we're probably going to record a podcast while we're there as well. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. We'll catch you again next Friday.